if you've had a cell phone for the past five years or so and you're scrolling down your feed or maybe you just uh or in the cell development scenes or you know watching tony robbins or maybe you grew up uh watching the uh, the disney channel which i think is a total fucking joke and probably the worst thing uh for kids growing up actually but that's besides the point but if you've had any of those things and, and seen any of those things then chances are you've heard one of the following hey just stay optimistic just be happy if you have a good and positive outlook good things will happen to you you'll become successful man just keep your head up just believe and have faith everything's gonna be fine by christmas everything's gonna be okay but here's the truth, guys. And here, here's the truth bomb. I'm just going to lay it out to you. Because this is the truth bomb, right? This is, this is my favorite part of the show. <laughs> if optimism and just being happy were enough, every drug-dealing junkie would be successful. Every kale juice drinking hippie walking around Venice Beach in California would be raking in millions. But they're not. They're not. They're fucking not. And the reason why is because being happy and being optimistic isn't only just not enough. No, 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 no. It's not, it's not just about it's not enough. We know that it's not enough. Right? You're going to work hard. Too. We know that. That's not what the show is about. Being optimistic and blindly having optimism without the game plan is actually going to set you back. And it's probably the reason why every single time you're about to reach the promised land, you fall short. That's today's truth bomb. Sean and I are going to delve and discuss why optimism is not a good thing. And if you want to succeed, optimism is required, but by itself, is not good. It's going to hurt you. So what should you do instead? Well, for that, you got to listen to the whole episode, my friend. Because this is the truth bomb. What's up, Sean? Welcome back to another episode of the truth bomb, man. How are you doing today? What's going on, brother? Pretty good, man. Getting ready for Black Friday. Um, it's been, yeah. been a crazy time the last couple of weeks with the, the election and what's going on. Yeah, man. Some crazy, some crazy stuff. You know, um, a lot of people have been asking opinions on like, the new Biden administration and, you know, and stuff like that. And I keep telling them, well, it's not, the election's not certified. And I actually, um, people can go back to record last time, the last four years ago, I said the same thing. I was like, I always wait until the elections get certified. I think that's the right way to do it. You might even remember during the first debate, um, you know, Wallace, who was moderating the debate, he asked both Joe Biden and President Trump the question, will you wait until the election results are certified before you, you know, declare yourself as win winner. And of course, uh, Joe Biden said yes, um, like the, the good old man he tries to be. And obviously now they're backtracking. And Christopher Wallace is like super furious about, you know, Trump supporters kind of claiming that, you know, the election isn't um, over yet. And so um, the elections aren't certified yet. So maybe by the time people listen to this, um, you know, they'll know the result most likely. And um, but yeah, so look, I'm still waiting for the results, man. I can't really I'm not going to go out there and make some proclamations about the new Biden administration because I have no idea if that's going to be the case either. Yeah, it's crazy that like people don't realize that it's it's not officially over. Like just the mainstream media just you know blasting it out there that he won or that Biden won. So it's it's uh kind of you know how the whole story's been. You know, just just blasting uh, one side or the other, and it's typically Trump getting blasted. But uh, we'll see we'll see how it turns out. 
Yeah, they're, they're honestly set up the, the 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 thing super well. Actually, it's a great it's a great like great plan really. Uh, where you know for a long time social media was like pu- pushing and pushing this narrative like, hey, someone might say that they're the winner, but they're actually not. They were Instagram was like having this like little box that sh- would show up. Uh, on your feed all the time saying that, hey, we'll announce who the winner is. And like, they'll have these articles about what happens if Trump doesn't concede. So it, it seems like the, 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 you know, the perfect setup. And, you know, one thing that um, you know, before I even start today, the, the media has taken up such a large complex. You know, we used to talk about the industrial military complex, you know, several years ago about that being very large in our country and our corporations. Right. And but now really the media has taken a front and center role. Um, and, you know, that's the argument. I actually think it's there, you know, right before you're about to go, like right before you're about to die, you like make one last like power grab. And I really think that traditional media, um, television, cable news, is really dying a slow death and has been dying for a long time. And I think like with the advent of COVID, which I think they've really pushed a narrative hard, people are going online. They're listening to the truth bomb. They're listening, you know, watching your stories or watching my stories. And like, that's become people's form of like education, news, entertainment. If you look at younger people under the age of 35, a majority of them, a vast majority of them, you look at the statistics, actually get their news from social media and no longer from like the traditional news network. So I feel like it's their dying last claw to be like relevant. Um, I actually don't think it means that the media is becoming like everything. I think they're just trying to their last claw to be relevant. So that's how I see it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, it was kind of interesting too with politics being in into sports and whatnot, how how much ratings are down with all sports across the board. So it's kind of the same thing. You know, if they don't, they don't figure something out They're, I don't know how they'll be able to land big TV deals and things like that moving forward when when they're uh ratings are down i think the nba was down like 60 percent this year or something crazy so kind of kind of the same story you know people don't don't want to see all that bullshit on you know on sports and just this constant uh blasting of a certain party so it's it's honestly it's getting old for sure yeah you know what it is man you know it's like it's like raising a kid if you give the kid freedom to think and to breathe and to have you know um just make their own decisions you'll be you have a good parent child relationship the minute you start choking the kid and being a helicopter parent telling them what to do the kid will rebel right so i'm gonna make some like pretty bold proclamation because this is the pr- truth bomb um i predict that within the next 10 years like con- the conservative movement will start to rise again very much so and you're gonna see it's gonna start with the generation y as i call it, the younger people they're gonna move towards conservatism um it's gonna be a little bit of a different brand than the conservatism that we've known from the reagan era um but it is going to grow again and I think a lot of these traditional, you know, um, like institutions that are trying to force ram things down people's throat, like liberal institutions like colleges and the mainstream media, I think that you're going to see a mass exodus um, of this happening. And this is this is basically, you know, President Donald Trump has unleashed something within our culture where you can't close that anymore. You can't close that door anymore. It's just like a door that's open. It's an entire Pandora's box and they can try whatever they do, whatever they want, but the more they try to suppress it, it backfires on them. I don't know if you look at the recent app download statistics, but there's a social media platform called Parler where a lot of conservatives are. And that is like one of the top downloaded apps in, in the whole country. So um, there's a, a, a website called the Donald.win I've talked to you about. They're the number like 600 now in the whole country, the most visited website. So you see that growing and there's nothing you can do about it. You can be tyrannical. You can try to like ram things down people and like tell your kid, don't go out. Like you can't do anything. But at some point, like the cat's out of the bag. And so, you know, at some point, whether it's this year or in four years, you know, President Trump is going to transition into another role and he's not going to be the president anymore at, at some point, obviously. 
And but but what he has opened the gate that he has opened for this new wave of conservatism, you can't you can't close that anymore. That's my prediction, man. Yeah, speaking of that of that app you just mentioned, I saw it, it's basically been on my whole feed on Facebook. Um, I saw yeah. actually that Facebook like eliminated or like took down a group that was supposed to like transfer everybody over. Like there was this huge group. I think it was like two point three million people in this Facebook group, and it was basically. Right. Yeah, to leave Facebook and, and Facebook ended up closing it down. But um, that's basically all I've seen on, uh, on on my Facebook feed. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyways, talking about like the outsider and like changing things up. Uh, today's truth bomb. I want to talk about one of those. Actually, actually, I would say probably in the modern era, probably one of the biggest outsiders that had a shot at like the real the, the presidency, which is um, you know I think most of us are. are um, Probably uh, too uh, too young to remember this. I mean, I was just a, a year old or, or uh, anything. But in 1992, we had a um, an election, and um, as you know, Bush Sr. Uh, was trying to go for a re-election, and and uh, he had a challenger in um, Clinton and Gore. But there was also a third party candidate, the name of Ross Perot, and uh, he had a uh, vice presidential candidate. It was his running mate. Um, his name is Stockdale. Who we're going to talk about today. Um, and what's interesting, that was, you know, one of the last times in recent times where a third party candidate, number one, was part of the presidential debates and also got almost 20 percent of the popular vote. And actually, potentially was one of the big reasons why, you know, George Bush Sr. did not win his reelection campaign because, you know, siphoned off a lot of votes from moderates and people who were more independent leaning and would have probably argument we made voted Republican. So we're, we're going to talk about that, um, not really about the politics behind it, but about the man, the the vice presidential um, candidate that time, because he um, is a pretty big a, a contributor when it comes to business philosophy, man, and, and life philosophy that will lead today's truth bomb. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I didn't really know about this, uh, this paradox that we're going to talk about until, until you mentioned it today. And, you know, I think I'm going to point out a couple of takeaways for me after um, you know, you kind of explain it to our audience, but uh, I think it can apply to to multiple different areas of your life, not just business. And that's going to be something I, that I really want to cover. Yeah, um, for sure. And and just to give a little background, like who who is you know um, who's Stockdale really? And we just mentioned he's a vice president, uh, you know, candidate nine ninety two. Um, but what's more interesting about him is that obviously he was a, a big leader. He was a uh, you know, a wartime leader. He was, for many people, like a hero. He he, he served in the Navy very honorably. Yeah. But this was a man also that served during the Vietnam War, and he was captured. Uh, out of the seven years, he was captured for five years. That's um, crazy. Five years, he suffered, you know, torture, um, all types of some of the most heinous things that you could do to a human. And obviously, today is is uh, is um, you know Veterans Day, so this is a good good time to talk about it, um, just to appreciate those sacrifices, but also. You know, he got out. And when he got out, um, there was a, a gentleman by the name of Jim Collins. And people who are in the self-development you know, community might have heard of him. He's a, an author who's basically interviewed thousands of people who have you know, something to share about success, who are super successful. And so Jim Collins goes in and interviews you know, um, Stockdale and asks him, like, what did you learn? And like, wh- who were the people that made it out? And Stockdale said something that... Um, that shocked um, Jim Collins, 
right? Because and, and he's like, okay, who, who you know, wh- who 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 didn't make it out? And 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 you know, everyone's like, oh, probably the people who are the naysayers, the people who are like negative, who just don't have the stamina. And you know, I'm I'm gonna quote here because I I think the best way is to quote here. He and, and so Collins asks, who didn't make it out? And then Stockdale says, oh, that's easy, the optimists. And Jim Collins says, the optimist, I don't understand. I'm, I'm you know, super confused. Now, what do you mean optimists don't get out? I thought the optimists always survive. And he says, um, you know, the optimists, they were the ones who said, we're going to be out by Christmas. And Christmas would come and go, and they wouldn't get out. And then they'd say, we get out by Easter. And Easter would come and go, and they wouldn't get out. And then Thanksgiving, they would say, well, we're going to get out by Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving would, you know, come, and then Christmas would come and go. Come and, go. and um yeah, they would just die of a broken heart. It's the optimists um, that always failed. And, and you know, some people that might have been reading some contemporary like literature, they might have heard of Viktor Frankl, who talks about you know the experiences um, during the Holocaust, and he said the same thing. Is that he would notice that people would die um, during the concentration camps, usually around the Christmas time, around the yeah. holidays. And it's not because <laughs> the situation got worse. It's because we have this like concept that, oh, it's like a milestone. Oh, we're going to be out by Christmas. And they wouldn't get out by Christmas. And just the shattered hopes of optimism um, would destroy people. And it's not that the conditions got worse. It's that people's like total faith got destroyed because they were so mindlessly optimistic about meeting a challenge and especially talking about today we have a covid right and so there was a concept around we're going to be fine by easter it's going to be fine by new year and so and so this is a truth bomb here so i want to delve into this a little bit because you know we're now talking about optimism potentially being something that can hold you back from massive success so i want to dive a little more in this principle um but also kind of like you know thinking about, man, is, is, is too much optimism a bad thing? Like, should you not be optimistic? Because Pretty and Sean always talk about you got to have that right mindset right. and you got to believe that you're going to succeed. So delving into that a little bit is going to be today's uh, today's topic, man. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing that that I read about that was, you know, the comparison uh, during Christmas and, and uh, New Year's. Yeah. And it just really resonated with me. It's like, you know, everybody has this... Um, you know, date in their mind of something that they want to accomplish or they want to be somewhere maybe on their diet or whatever by a certain time. And if they, they don't accomplish it by then or succeed, it's like a huge blow to, to you know, your mindset and overall like mental health and things like that. So I think that that was uh, pretty eye opening to, to hear that or when I read it to see that, you know, more people died during that time. And, and there was, you know, like he said, there was no other um, reasons for people to, to die more during that time. There was no, um, sicknesses or anything like that. It was just a matter of, you know, they were so heartbroken, like you said. So I think that is something that, that stood out to me when, when I, uh, you know, did some research on this. Yeah. And so to delve into this topic, so what does this really mean? Um, why is he saying this? And, and, um, and, and this is really important. And something that he says, he says, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end. So you must never confuse faith that you'll prevail in the end which you cannot afford to lose, okay? With the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. So in a nutshell, I think what this is really about and how I, and you know, everyone can see a quote in one way or the other. It's about when you're going into something, you're going into business, you're going into any type, maybe you're going to the corporate field and you have in front of you um, this this vision that you're going to be successful that vision must be tempered with a game plan 
And that game plan must assume that there are going to be difficulties in the first place. In order to win, you have to accept and think about that you're actually playing a game. If you're playing an incorrect game, you can't win. If we're playing chess and I think we're playing checkers, I'm going to lose because I'm, <laughs> trying to, I'm trying to win a totally different game. So I think the, the, the people, and even in my own life, who are just massively successful in business, they, they, they know exactly the challenges that are going to come in their way. They, they know it's going to be difficult and they, and they can predict, okay, you know, I'm starting a, um, um, I don't know, I'm selling, I don't know, shoe, I'm starting a shoe or a t-shirt business. Okay. So we had, um, we had one of our friends on which started a shirt business. What are all the problems that I'm going to face? Right. Okay. So saying, okay, I'm going to start a shirt business. Okay. Um, super, a lot of competition. Um, I'm probably going to have very, very thin margins. Um, it's going to be difficult for me to, you know, advertise and stand out because the cost is going to be high because a lot of t-shirt companies. And then the big question is, is like, I might have to have a lot of advertising dollar to be like literally everywhere. Okay. So right. now that's versus me saying, Hey, I have a shirt business, dude, it's, I'm going to be, a, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to be the next Nike. And okay. But then how are you going to be the next Nike? And you can't just say, okay, we're going to do marketing. We're going to do PR. The question that I was asked, okay. What all? What is all the things that can go wrong here? And have you planned for those things? And without planning for those things, you are basically also just setting yourself up for a disaster waiting to happen. So, being optimistic, you're going to succeed. Like that's almost a given. I feel like you know, in today's day and age, I, I still hear entrepreneurs, people who want to be highly successful, you know, ask them what's your recipe, and they're like, oh, you know what? I just believe I'm going to succeed. I was like, dude, so what? Everyone, like, then you shouldn't even be in the game. Like, right. why are you playing? Every, yeah. play, pe- every person that, you know, plays in a sports game, whatever, you go in there thinking you're going to win. If you don't go in there thinking you're going to win, you shouldn't even participate. That's a given. But now you think about all the things that can go wrong and plan for them. Because if you don't, then that optimism will crush you. And I, I'm a big believer in that. But I want to hear from you, man. W- what are your thoughts around it? Because I know you said this is the, one of the first times you've heard about this, this paradigm. Yeah. yeah so I, I think that's a big part of it. Number one, like, having a plan for, for upcoming, you know, setbacks or or hurdles you have to get over. But I think especially with, uh, entrepreneurship and, and, you know, possibly owning a business, I think that a lot of people have a hard time at at self-criticism and, um, being honest with themselves about, you know, certain scenarios that they're, they're in or, you know, how to tackle something that is setting them back. And I think, you know, being honest with yourself is, is something that, uh, is really, not, I wouldn't say ignored, but it's it's kind of brushed aside, especially with like Instagram and um, you know any influencer. All that you know, you see it all the time. They talk about positivity all the time, the mindset, go go go, twenty four seven, and uh, it, it's just not the case. So I think that's what stood out to me. Number one, and then number two, uh, this can be applied not only to business but to multiple areas in your life. And it, it made me think about uh, personal relationships, whether. Um, you know, it's your parents, girlfriend, wife, boyfriend, whatever. Um, it's it's really easy to point the finger. So I think that, again, self-awareness and being honest with yourself, you know, having realism about your your own actions in your relationship. And I think that's something that somebody, you know, people can take home from this to where, you know, you can really focus on your, your own actions and, and fix them and possibly, you know, move forward in that relationship if there's any issues. Um, so that was just something that I thought about to where you can apply it to, to any scenario in your life. You just, you have to be optimism or you have to have optimism that the relationship would work out. But at the same time, you got to be real with yourself and your partner, um, 
in the sense that, you know, you need to address certain situations or certain actions to, to move forward. Yep. So, so let's talk about it. For example, you have a business relationship, right. have a exit plan, have a agreement set in, like have, have a discussion about like, if there is going to be problems, like what's going to happen? Like, don't, if you say, Hey, like, let's start this venture or let's start a, a, a marriage or like whatever, let's start a sports team, whatever, whatever you want to do. Like you have to think about what can go wrong in this situation. And when you plan for all those things, actually what's going to happen is you're less likely for things to go wrong because you have thought about all the problems beforehand. Um, you know, one of the great minds in business, Charlie Munger, who was one of the partners of Warren Buffett, he said that he, the way he would plan for all his large business meetings, he thinks about everything that can go wrong first. And then he has a, he creates contingency plans. So he's like, all right, we're going to try to get to maybe like $10 million in revenue. And then, okay, what are all the things that can go wrong? Write it all on the list and then have a, have a plan for each one of those things. And then he starts. Whereas I think a lot of entrepreneurs today, and we just have this Gary Vee mindset, like be optimistic, bro. Like you work your hard, bro. And it's like, dude, that's not realistic, yeah. right? So if you want right. to grow a large business, it's not realistic because you are going to have setbacks. And you should know what those setbacks are in the beginning. And you should talk to other people who have... I, one of the things I talked about on the previous episode is surround yourself with people who have done it before because they have made mistakes in the past. And then you can say, okay, um, hey, Preddy. For example, like Justin and I obviously have a consulting uh, thing that we do together with supplements. We have quite a uh, number of clients. And one of the first things when we speak to them, we always ask them, like, what's your vision? Like, what company do you think you want to... Where you want to get to? And I... Nine out of 10 people will say, I want to be like market leader. I want to dominate the market. And this is going to go right. And that's going to go right. And this is going to go right. But none of them have any concept of like, well, what can go wrong, man? And right. so, and it's because when we have interviews with people, like people talk to me, no one asked me, pray, what's all the shit that goes wrong in your life? Like what sucks in your life? Like, where have you all failed? That's not a conversation we have. We have like, Hey man, talk about your success. Like how was the first time we did this and that? And so this concept around planning around failure and having like small small plans for everything that can go wrong. It's just not a conversation we have and that's wrong. Um, so I think like having a good life and a good business life, a good personal life really depends on you adopting the Stockdale principle in one way or the other where you're basically saying, I'm willing to push forward here, but I know of all the things that can go wrong. Let's plan this beforehand upfront so we don't have an issue down the line. We've all been in situations in our personal life where like relationships have gone sour friends, family, whatever, all types of relationships, they just go sour If you, in business. But if you have planned beforehand, like, hey, if this goes wrong, let's have it in writing. Let's do this in writing. Let's do has have super uncomfortable conversations right up front because it's easier to have them up front than have them later when we're in like a, a total disaster. I know as a startup attorney, that's what I practiced. One of the biggest things that people used to come to us with, it was... Um, Founder issues, they would founders would start fighting. <laughs> and it's super hard, dude. Like when a lot of assets are involved, yeah. who owns what? Who owns what stock? Who owns this? Who is that? And it's like, it's a total nightmare. And you know how they could have solved all of that? One piece of paper where they're just writing down like what could happen in each situation. That really screwed them over so badly. And it's just a matter of like, I didn't plan for things to go wrong. I was so optimistic. I only thought everything was going to go right. And you're setting yourself up for a trap. Yeah. And, and what you just mentioned too, I, I think is important that, you know, you want to talk about what could possibly go wrong. And in the sense that obviously you're going to have problems of some sort during, you know, during any kind of business. So if you are aware of that, they may happen, you know, you can have a plan preset. So not only will you make less mistakes, but you can navigate through it much easier. So 
you know, we always talk about the example of, of my website going down earlier in the year. I didn't, it never happened before. I didn't think it could. So I didn't have really a plan ready to go. Um, so obviously I figured it out, but now if it happens, I can navigate through that much quicker. It's going to, you know, it's not going to be a huge setback for me. So I think that is definitely something that, that people should consider, you know, obviously you need to, to be optimistic, but at the same time, you have to be realistic to where, um, you can really look at the, what could go wrong and then have a plan moving forward. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And let's take, for example, so right now, when you say, you, you know, if something goes wrong, you have a backup, you have a backup website, you have things that are backed up, you know, where to go, you know, what the problems can arise. This is so simple. Like this is a matter of having a couple of conversations at a small level, right? But obviously right. the stock, like he, here he's talking about like, dude, being trapped for five years and still like making it out after most people just like die and wither away. And so in his concept is like, yeah, you know what? I knew I was going to get out at some point. That, that was not that was not the question. It's like, I have to survive for, and it's going to be difficult. I'm going to be tortured. It's going to suck. I'm probably going to be here for a long fucking time. I'm going to survive, but hey, that's a reality, but I'm going to survive, right? right? And so it, it's complicated, right? And, you know, I'm going to um, play devil's advocate. You know, we talked one on one of the episodes about like, social constructs and reality being a social construct. So, you know, for example, we talked about, you know, not being able to run the hundred meter in a certain amount of time. And then one guy, you know, uh, you know, Jesse Owens ran it and all of a sudden the record was broken and it was just like a social construct. Now everyone's running that number is because when we believe, when we're optimistic and when we believe something's possible, we make it happen. Like that's life right now. There's a difference though, in being, um, challenging boundaries of what's possible versus being delusional. And it's very, very important to know the difference. Because when I'm telling people, oh, just don't be delusional, man, like your business is not going to work. They're going to think, wait, what, pretty? Like, that's not the right way. The world is, is, is shaped and grown by people who have had a lot of optimism. They came out of nowhere. The underdog is the American story. And I'm not challenging that. And I don't think Stockdale is challenging that because I think that's where the nuance in this is. It's just about the, the history is changed by those people who are optimistic, knowing that they're going to succeed and have a plan. That's it. That, that, that's the nuance here. Do you have a plan of what, what could go wrong? And do you have a contingency? Um, if you have a supplement company, have you thought about if you're, if you're a manufacturer like folds, like what are you going to do? If you get a recall, what are you going to do? Like right. if you have you know, problems with your co-founder, what are you going to do? Are you just going to like go in bankruptcy? Like 80% of the top supplements companies just go bankrupt. I don't know where they go. Then they start a new one. They just have no continue. They have no plan. They just like don't know what to do. And they're like, fuck it. Let's just start a new business under a new name. And this is the way the supplement industry goes. And it's just like, does it have to be that way? No. So have a plan. I think that's how I see the nuance, man. Nuance, man. Yeah. I think most people too, I, I would say most people don't have a plan. I mean, regardless of this situation, unless you have, have been through something um, and have overcome that and, and you know, navigated through it, I, I really don't think many people have a plan for, for any of the scenarios that could go wrong with, with their business and their life, their relationship. Um, so, and I, I really don't know why, like I, it's going to be a much b bigger setback if you don't have a plan. And I, I really, I, I personally don't have an answer for that. Why do you think that, um, I guess in your opinion, do you think, first of all, do you think that people, most people don't have a plan for, you know, things that go wrong? Um, I, I, it's not that I, I think they're afraid I think they're afraid. I think like planning means that things can go wrong and they like, and they, I think a lot of people just ride off motivation, dude. 
And like motivation is just, I've always said it's just an emotion and it's like super fickle. And they just like, they're so, you know, you know, we all know those business owners who start and they're like super optimistic and I get it, you know, we're also optimistic, but it's just like, I think they're afraid to plan because when I say, Hey man, what can go wrong? You could see like, they get angry. You know, when you have a business idea and you're like, holy shit, I guys, I have the fucking greatest app idea. And you start talking to your buddies and it's like, what? That sucks. This And you get angry at your friends. I see people get like fucking, uh, I just been calling people used to throw things at like their friends. Like, what the fuck, man? What are you talking about? You're not supporting me. And it's just like, right. we get angry when we're challenged. So anything that challenges our dreams, like that we think we're so close to, I think we're, we fear it. Right. And I think that's really where, where, where um, it comes down. And I have some idea, like some examples of like what you can do, but continue. Um, what, what you're saying yeah yeah i mean just what i was saying I, I think the majority of people like you said well i guess in your opinion you know people are afraid to to think of anything that will go wrong but it's just like you said it's so simple to to have certain scenarios in your mind that could go wrong and, and have a plan ready to go and especially in business it's it's essential um you know and and i had a hard lesson learned earlier in the year and you know i as far as that goes, I mean, I will never have anything like that happen again to where I'm set back um, in that fashion. So uh, moving forward, personally, I will definitely have um, at least some sort of contingency plan. But um, one thing that I noticed, too, it, you know, when I was doing some research on, on this topic was that if you're a leader or a business owner, or CEO, um, or just a leader in general, let's say that if you're a leader, it's not always about you know, your current situation, you know, leaders all the time know that they're planning ahead for the future, even though, even if they may not be at that company um, down the road. So the example that I saw on, I think it was a blog post talking about this topic, but it was essentially saying that leaders plan now um, for, you know, the sake of the company and their employees. So that's something you need to deal with the hard reality of that, you know, even though you're the CEO right now or the business owner right now, your duty is is to help this company succeed long term. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's like a hard truth that people don't want to understand, especially as a business owner. Um, that you know, you want legacy, you want this company or brand to succeed long term, and, and sometimes that that you know people don't want to accept that right now is, is really what they should be building for for the future. Oh, 100%. That's, that's almost like, a, it's just like bigger thinking. That's what it yeah. is. I think the people yeah. who are willing to have contingency plans to just think a bigger game, really, honestly. And I think many of us, like, first of all, we're scared to think about like things that go wrong, just having a plan. Because having a plan sucks. It's, com- it's kind of like, you know, when you have a startup, you don't want to think about legal problems. Right. Like, ah, oh, fuck legal stuff. Like, I don't have to do it. Fuck that agreement. Yeah. Just like, uh, influencers, sure. just fuck it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do the agreement later. It's not important. And then all of a sudden, they get the ass suit and like, fuck. You know, um, I know being an attorney side of stuff and issues like, dude, we just didn't have one agreement and it saves you hundreds of thousands of dollars. So happens all the time. Yeah. And I, and I think to your point, this has to do with like big picture planning and not everyone thinks big picture. Right. I, I think we had this conversation before I was talking to um, and I'm sure I've mentioned this on a podcast before, but just to repeat at a conversation with um, one of the guys who um, was actually from a royal family and they were talking about like business and success and everyone there was like talking about like what they want to do next year and like 10 years 20 years and he's like oh no fuck 10 years he's like oh, i don't care about 10 years he's like oh i'm planning for my great grandkids i'm planning for wealth i do wealth planning for like 200 years from now and that's how they think they just like they don't give a fuck about today like it's not important to them they care about the legacy because in the royal family you want to keep that legacy and they think so big that their goal is like what's going to happen in 200 years from now 
And that's what they do. That's what the conversations they have with their wealth planners, whereas most of us are just thinking about like two years, like how am I just going to survive? Now, of course, situations are different, right? If you got to survive, you got to think about tomorrow before you can think about 100 years from now. But it's the concept about thinking bigger. And so like, do you want to build something that's sustainable? And if you look at the Stockholm principle, it's about who sustains and wins at the end. This is very important also in business, you know, because sometimes we under, you know, we, we, we under, you know, we overestimate, I'd say, like what we can do in like in a year, but we underestimate what we can do in like 10 years, right? Some of the greats have set this quote. And it's because like in this, you know, what you can do tomorrow in a week or two weeks, I think that's really important. But like having a big picture, like if you if you think I'm gonna build a business that's gonna build an empire, you're gonna have a different approach to it. And you're gonna think about things that can go bad. Now, of course, people are gonna have this question. So what do you do? Okay, so I believe in a stock sale principle, like Sean, what do, what do I do? So one of the things I always like doing is when I approach a new project or a business or a new, a new, new venture or whatever, I always look at the businesses that were doing well and all of a sudden they just disappeared. And I study them. I'm like, what, did, what, what happened? Why'd they fuck up? Um, literally, literally, you can even go on Netflix. There's like this, uh, there's like this series on, I think it's called like, um, dirty money or something where they, it's, it's super very slanted, uh, show yeah. like to the left, yeah. but they, they start talking about like where people fuck up, what they do wrong, why they get stuck, why they get caught. Usually it's compliance things. And I, and yeah, that's big picture stuff. Look at, look at smaller businesses around you. Like, why did they fail? And really make notes of that. Because I think the conversation is a lot of times I speak to new business owners, like, Pretty. I've already chosen out my yacht. I've already chosen out like what like model of like the roles I'm going to buy. And like they don't have a business yet. I was like, dude, like that's probably not the right approach right away. And they're like, well, law of attraction. What are you talking about? If I think I'm going to achieve it, I'm going to achieve it. I'm like, absolutely true. But what's the plan to get there? So you can't dream about driving a Bentley, right? But not have a plan about how you're going to drive the Bentley. Then you're fucked. So believe that you're going to drive a Bentley, but have a plan about how you're going to drive one. Right, an average Bentley owner has eight sources of income. An average Bugatti owner has thirty-six sources of income. So, like, do you have a plans to have that much wealth being generated? Otherwise, it's going to be a pipe dream, just going to be a poster, you know, on your kitchen door. And it's not. There needs to be planning, planning, planning around. Like, what's the path to get me there? Be obsessed with the plan, just as much you're obsessed with the destination. And super optimists were delusional. They're obsessed with just the destination and like what's going to come from the destination. But their plans are shaky, dude. They know the model of the car they're going to drive, but their plans are shaky. The plans don't have any everything planned out. But the model of the car, they've chosen, you know, the leather seats, the carpets, the smell, everything. That never even gone on Sotheby's and find the best house they want to live at. But the right. plan is shaky, dude. And that's the yeah. problem. If your plan is as robust as the end goal you want to reach... That's really where you want to go. I'm not telling people to not dream big. Have that goal. Have that materialistic goal. But have a right. plan about how you're going to reach it. You know? Yeah. Um, it, real quick, too. I wanted to give like a personal example of when I, you know, first started NutriFit. So yeah. uh, beginning of 2016, let's just say almost coming up on five years. Um, when I first started, there was there really wasn't, especially in Ohio. There's really there's not many private retail stores in general, but there's not many retail stores that have also an e-commerce online site. So when I was, you know, starting my store, I was really focused on online, um, putting money into online marketing, growing e-commerce because I knew that I could reach more people that way than just a retail store. Yes, a retail store can can be successful, but I wanted to, you know, have a bigger outreach to people all across, you know, the United States. So when I was doing that, I, I wasn't solely focused on, you know, in-store marketing and gaining traction in my local area. I, it was more nationwide. All the reps that I dealed with 
um, they would like, they were kind of shunning me because there wasn't really any stores doing that. But I was thinking down the road and it was a hard truth for me to face at the time because they were all telling me that I was wrong for what I was doing or like kind of saying like, you know, we don't really see any stores doing it that way. Um, you know, brick and mortar is still the way to go. And, and now four, four and a half years, almost five years later, uh, there's a huge shift and it's, it's going to e-commerce. And um, actually, just a little bit ago before we got on this podcast, I, I was receiving some text messages saying that our, our governor is possibly shutting down our gyms again. So what? That's fucking ridiculous. yeah, so I just, I just got a couple of texts here and you know, I'm, even though it sucks big time for me, uh, obviously because gyms are crucial to our business, I I'm set up online to where a lot of other retail stores, especially in Ohio are not, and even a, like a close competitor. So planning down the road, you know, like we've been talking about this whole podcast, uh, it set me up to to still be successful in like unknown times, which we're dealing with, obviously, with the pandemic. Right. And that's a great example, right? Because if you're just optimistic, I'm going to just kind of a store and just like have no plan, then you shit hits the fan and you're and then you're screwed. Like literally, you're going to be screwed. So like planning ahead and knowing what can go wrong. I mean, and that we've talked about this before. We talked about us when the pandemic started and you said, you know, the people that have planned before, they're going to be in a better situation. And it's because they have thought they've had very dark thoughts. And this is very hard because we have to temper with dark thoughts. You have to be, you have to be like, oh, I'm being an entrepreneur. And like entrepreneurs generally are just like a little bit more optimistic people where they're like their risk and reward ratios just slightly or like very much off from the general population where they think like things are going to succeed. And they, they live off winning the lottery or like the jackpot or playing Russian roulette with their lives. That's not everyone's like, you know, um, you know, the way that's not how everyone rolls, <laughs> but entrepreneurs right. do. Yeah. So now you have this like optimistic gene. But you have to have dark thoughts. Having a plan about things that can go wrong is a very sad thing. <laughs> like, it's really mm-hmm. depressing. You're like, fuck, I can fail. It's not going to work. Um, you know, I, it's just like, it, there, this can go wrong. That can go wrong. And it can take you down a really dark path. And I think, and I see happening with entrepreneurs when I ask them, what, can, what all can go wrong in your space? And they just don't want to have that conversation. You see them. What starts happening is that they start to question their business. They don't start to think about, okay, this can go wrong, so let me make a contingency plan. They say, oh, fuck, this can all go wrong. I, should I just not do my business? And I was like, dude, I never said that. Right. They're like, oh, are you telling me to quit? Fuck, yeah, you're right, man. I should never have done this. This is the biggest mistake of my life. I was like, whoa, dude, that's not what I said, that I said. I said, all these things can go wrong, so have a plan for them. doesn't mean retail, brick and mortar is not the same as what it was. I can tell you that. You know that. Yeah. It's, gonna yep. not, it's not going to be 100% of your revenue, dude. Not even close, bro. It's going to be less than 50% if it isn't right. already. That's just life. So yeah. like me telling you that and you're like, oh, dude, pr- pr- are you telling me I should quit? I was like, no, just have a plan. Go on, have an online presence. And at time, maybe brick and mortar will just not exist anymore. Use your brick and mortar store to make videos. I don't know, right. make content. Use and make this podcast. Like that. That's the better approach here than being a... Oh, dude! When you go down the rabbit hole, it could ma- basically mean that someone is like shooting your 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 dream alive, and then people hate being around those people. Like, fucking this this, this mentor sucks. He's just right. discouraging. I was like, no, they're telling you the right thing. So, um, plan plan accordingly, and it doesn't mean that you need to change like and and like start like losing faith in your business. That's not that's not the same thing. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that too, where. You know, possibly retail revenue will be less than fifty percent. And in those first couple of years, when reps would come in and like ask numbers, and I said that I was doing more online than I was in store, they were like, oh, "Well, that's that's not good." Like that's you know, what I mean, they would they would almost down talk it. And now, I mean, I would say I'm anywhere from sixty to sixty five percent online. Mm-hmm. And 
I use my retail store is almost like a warehouse and it's still a showroom basically for products. So um, it it ended up working out. But yeah, I mean, that was the the plan from the get go is like I wanted e-com over a retail store. Um, So obviously it's working out to my benefit right now. But, you know, I I definitely have to have a plan moving forward, especially if gyms are going to stay closed. So um, obviously plans are, you know, they're crucial. Yeah, I think you and now you now you got to take it further before before we started this um um going into this topic we talked about parlor social media app yeah. why are we talking about it because there is a big platform that we all use that's fucking people over left and right you have mm-hmm. a business on facebook and it's totally dependent on facebook and i'll be like dude um what's your like what's your other strategy like what if facebook like fucks you i was like oh it's never gonna happen i've had a conversation with that people four or five years ago like dude, why facebook's never gonna go away I was like, no, 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 Facebook's not going to go away. You're going to go away because they're going to ban you. There's a difference. Yeah. And it's happening right now, right? So many, I know so many colleagues that can run ads in our space because Facebook doesn't allow that shit like it used to before. They've become very, very PC about the advertisement you can run. If you're dependent on ads, like a lot of people are, they don't know what to do now. Ad spend has gone up. There's corporations now competing against you. And you're gonna get you're getting censored left and right for like fitness content. So what are you gonna do now? I know several businesses who just don't know how to gain more business because their Facebook accounts shut down. That sucks. I know it sucks, but you got to plan for that. So so this is even relevant today. It's not even with like retail and e-com. It's about every single part of your business that's online. It's shifting. It's changing. Yeah. So like be be aware of like hey okay what's your number one distribution channel uh, for marketing? It's Facebook ads. I was like okay well why don't we already start planning for another one because this might go out. Diversify, diversify, diversify. I just mentioned a statistic there and I said an average Bentley owner in America has six to eight sources of income. Okay. An average Bugatti owner has 36 sources of income. That's crazy. Okay. It's 36. So what that basically means is the super wealthy, the people who are at another level of of financial success, they know that they need exit plans for small things that are not going to work. This sector is going to fuck you over. Okay, I have something else. I have something else. It doesn't mean you need to lose focus and do 30 things at a time. That's not what this means. They could all be in the same industry, but slightly different. It could be like NutriFit Ecom, NutriFit Brick and Mortar, NutriFit Supplements, NutriFit Clothing, and NutriFit, I don't know, Water Bottles. Right. Now there are yeah. six businesses, but it's all NutriFit. So it doesn't mean that you have to lose focus, but they know that. So super successful people know the Stockdale principle and they understand that need to, to diversify because things can go wrong. And that is just, these are facts that I'm bringing in. This is not really an opinion. So I always look at that and I understood when I, um, I actually knew that fact because I, my, one of my first times I wanted to get a, a, an exotic car, I asked the guy, I was like, what do people do who buy this stuff? Like, I, I'm fascinated. Like, what do they do? I was a kid. I went there, uh, 17 or 16. He's like, dude, uh, I mean, what, what, is, what, is, what exact question do you have? I was like, what do these people do that afford these cars? How do they do this? Like, what do they do? I would love to hear more about it. And I was like, yeah, it's for a school project, which wasn't true. Uh, it's my own project. So he said, he gave me the statistics and I looked it up online and it was a McKinsey statistic that shows what they do for a living. Obviously, the majority of them were, you know, a lot of them were entrepreneurs, business owners, hedge fund guys. But what was interesting, that was not what, what stuck out to me. What stuck out to me was the number of incomes that they have from different sources. And I knew at that point, connecting the dots of Stockdale's principle it means you got to diversify because things can go wrong. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's the same thing applies to, to stocks, the stock market. I mean, generally you you want to diversify. Um, obviously, one sector right now is a perfect example too. With you know the the possible vaccine news that's being 90% effective, uh, the stay at home stocks, Netflix, Zoom, they're crashing right now, even though they were crushing it through the pandemic. And now travel, leisure. Um, 
you know, those types of stocks, cruises, they're all on the rise because that's that's possibly the vaccine, the vaccine might be here. So the same thing, you need to be diversified. If you had all of your money in those stocks, you're, you're hurting right now. Um, so it's, it's really universal. You can apply this concept to, like I said, to, to many things. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great example. I actually uh, started reading that the, uh, one of the top guys, CEO of Pfizer started dumping all their, you know, his stocks, uh, after yeah. that news, just interesting stuff. But, yeah. you know, I think getting to that level, like for you to like diversify into that didn't just happen by accident. You thought about it. So like no one gets 36 sources of income without like thinking like right. you have to plan. Yeah. You don't get there without planning. Like that's just, I, I really believe there's no other way. I don't think you accidentally stumble up, up unless it's like a, you know, whenever I talk about success, the, the people I want to leave out are like the people who have like just long-term family wealth and money. I just leave them out because they're outliers. I'm talking about self-made people that are the majority of, super wealthy individual in, in this country. We, we don't, we're not living in a country that has a huge aristocracy and stuff like that. So right. self-made people, people who have family wealth, because people always use them as an example. like, well, he had his dad stuff. Let's leave them out. People who have that kind of money and success, they plan. You don't accidentally get 36 stores of it. It's just like, don't. <laughs> like, it's just like not happening, right? So planning, planning, planning is key. So being as obsessed with the plan as the destination will serve you well. Watch as many videos on YouTube about about like the plan, military plans, like general plans, like what can go wrong? What can, like study, study, study your business, study your business as much as you study the things you want to get when you have a successful business. And like I always say, like the, the, the rewards are awesome. You study those rewards, make it like law of attraction, like put, put the fucking thing on the, uh, on, on put, put a, a poster somewhere. I have a bunch of shit like that. I love it. But at the same time, I I'm, I also am in love with, and when when people say the process, it's not some cliche thing. What what actually is more important about the game plan? What's the game plan to win the game? You know, winning a Super Bowl is awesome, and like, oh yeah, you can just imagine in your head, you visualize the success of winning the Super Bowl. But what's the game plan, right? And that's not talked about. And that's I think the truth bomb for today is that you have to be obsessed with the game plan as much as you are with the result. Because and you have to temper optimism for success down the line with facing brutal realities of like what can happen, um, you know, while trying to get there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great truth bomb. I mean, it really is because, uh, you know, most people are just just focused on the end goal. They're not yeah. they're not focused on really how to get there. They just they they want the results. They want the money, the cars, all that kind of stuff. And, and you don't get there without plans. So uh, it's a great topic. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, I think that, that that wraps most of it up. I think it's very self-explanatory. People have questions. Obviously, they can always, uh, you know, ask us more than happy to engage with uh, with everyone on it. Um, if you haven't yet, make sure to um, if you're listening on iTunes, go on iTunes, leave us a review. Um, we always appreciate that. We also just generally like feedback. Uh, you know, when you're doing this kind of stuff, it's it's crazy because you know we're recording it here goes down the line it gets it gets uploaded and then people see it and you get you get text i get text right and that's great because you get that feedback and i think it's really important because in the, the day like sean and i do the show for you like we don't do it um just for ourselves because we don't have to record you know we can just uh you know talk when we do we, we, we press record we make time our day for you so we want to provide at the end of the day it's about providing value to you as a listener so let us know what topics you want to hear about if you want to be in the show let us know and we're happy to accommodate some guests we've had some really good guests lately um, and then we'll be doing more of that, man. So, uh, any parting words, Sean, for, for the audience? Yeah. And honestly, this, you know, this whole topic can be applied to our podcast here. You know, if there's certain content that people don't like, or, you know, they want to hear other things that, that, that we're not really talking about, 
we're obviously open to that. And, uh, you know, we'll make changes as, you know, our audience requests. So like I said, you can apply that to anything. And, you know, one thing too, I wanted to say before we go is that we have been doing, uh, Q and A's on our Instagram. So we're, yes. we're doing, you know, business Q and A's. We, we covered some, uh, politics obviously with the, uh, the election last week, but we do that weekly now. So if you, if you have any questions, you can get on there and talk to us and, um, you know, we'll cover those questions in our podcast too. Yeah. And it's, I think it's a good thing to always engage with like stories and stuff, even though you might not have something to ask right away. And because of the al Instagram algorithm, it just won't show you pages that you're even following. So like, yeah. yeah, there's the button you can press, you know, obviously to see stuff, but honestly, the best way for you to continue to see the content um, is actually just ask a question be like, Hey, hello. I just want to say, you know, uh, this could be better than just anything. Just say hi to us. And because what that does is on your end, on your Instagram, it will start start showing um, our content on your feed, which is, which is, I think, if that's what you want, I think that's going to be very helpful. Um, but that's a, it's a great um, segue to what you said, because, you know, when you start content like this, like the podcast, and I started one of my other ones, it's hard. There's a lot of podcasts out there and you, you can upload videos and there's crickets, dude. That's life yeah. about going on social. It's like, it's like, dude, what, what the hell? Like, why is no one why? it? That's that, that's just the game. And you have to understand that that's the game of social. And it's fine because one person will like it. Then two people will like it. And three, I built podcasts before that have just a small loyal following. And it started with like zero people and it's yeah. like, it will grow. And it's just like, you have to face the harsh reality that you're not going to be Joe Rogan you know, overnight. And uh, I don't know, have you ever seen his, uh, his uh, old like photo of him doing his podcast? I don't think so. No. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll share it. Um, I actually put it on our story and, uh, it's just Joe Rogan with a little, um, you know, his little like 60 bucks dollar mics, like he's doing this and he's just like on, on there and it's just like super amateur. He started like that and he just, the dude just like keeps, obviously he's, he's been on, on television and stuff, but keeps putting out content and like, that's the game, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And there's no other way to, to game it, you know? So, yeah. Cool, man. All right. Well, I appreciate it. It was a good time. Uh, good topic too. We will uh, continue this next week and hopefully we'll have some more guests here coming soon too. All right, man. All right, Sean. Good talking to you and we will catch everyone later.